All right, welcome in. It is episode 111 of the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast here. We have a whole lot going on. We are re- we've reached the final week of the NFL season. We're going to be going over the playoff scenarios. Uh should be a wild weekend of NFL football of who is, who is in, who is out. We have a national championship game set for college football and you know, we're going to recap the uh, games from the uh, previous weeks here. And, you know, we're going to start off with the Rose Bowl because the Michigan Wolverines are playing for a national title. That they are. What what, what a game. What a setting. You know, it's the way football should be played is knock down, drag out, bury your soul naked type of football game in a classic with the sun setting over the San Gabriel Mountains. College football's most iconic stadium. Football. Michigan most, came out on top. Dylan, football's most iconic stadium. Step aside, Lambo. You aren't that. Okay. They good. It, good. It's over. It's over. Well, if, if if there's somebody that thinks Lambo is the most iconic stadium, that just shows how irrelevant they are because and how out of touch they are because. Mm-hmm. Well. And, and and that and and Stephen A. Smith, you can also put there too, because he also just said today, I think it was today, that they should be playing the Rose Bowl at SoFi Stadium. Well, he's an idiot, and <laughs> he should that? take a five million dollar pay cut. A. Oh my god, he should take a five so million can... dollar pay cut a year for saying something so outlandish. And do you know why he said that? I guess is so he could helicopter there and doesn't have to deal with traffic. Oh, Just you sticking your nose up that, oh, I am better than you. You elite ESPN personality. Get out of here. <laughs> he should not be the highest paid ESPN employee just for saying that. Uh, no, it should be Pat McAfee. Should be. It well, should be. he's that show's about to get taken off the air because one of his guests said Jimmy hey, Kimmel fit- was on the Epstein list. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah. Honestly, how that show is even on there is beyond me. Well, you know, they had the counter for how many times and how many minutes on the air someone didn't say the F word when they made the switch. And uh, Pat and his crew, they were doing great. And then he brought J.J. Watt on on a Wednesday. And within two minutes, J.J. ruined it. Um, and and I, I think it happened two or three times in that same interview. And he goes, God damn it. I'm not used to these regulations again on here with you, Pat. Because I think he had it like four, four or five years ago. Really, when he took off, when he, but when he actually went to like it was like a daily. He had a daily show. Yeah, yeah. And they were, they, I think they were on like Westwood One, and they got dinged, uh, dinged by the mm-hmm. FCC a handful of times. But back to, uh, back to the Rose Bowl here, and it was uh, the first half, Michigan. Felt it felt like they should have could have been up by about two or three two or three scores, but they had a muff punt. Uh, they had a couple of times where they were moving the ball well and had a penalty or take a sack, shoot themselves in the foot, and then they would, and then Alabama scored off the touchdown and got a field goal right before half, and it was a three point game. And then third quarter was pretty much do- turned into a bit of a bit of an Iowa game where it turned into a more of a field position game and. Alabama took advantage of a short field off of some bad punting by Michigan. Their special teams was abysmal all day. Poof. Especially end of game, the muff punt earlier. 
the botched field goal. It was thought it was the Quinn Nordine era of special teams at Michigan. You made, and, you made the Gophers special teams look good. Yeah, and if there's if there's two things in the world that are the worst at what they are, it's Big Ten officiating and Gophers special teams. Outside of the kicker this year, that's it. Everything yeah, else. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I saw that their quarterback transferred to Rutgers, and I don't know if this is a good move because we all know how the last time a Minnesota quarterback transferred to Rutgers went. I just, Grant, I just Grant, do you do you know anything about that? Do you know do you know just, anything about that guy? I just I just I pray to God Athlon is over twenty one years old, and <laughs> someone at someone at that bar is home with their eighth month eight month. Who who some it's at home with someone whose wife is eight months pregnant. That's all I pray and ask for. <laughs> yes, and now we that's twice now we've gotten off off track here. But Alabama is up seven, and it was uh, it was not looking good. It was the here we go. It's classic Michigan choking in the big moment. The pain, misery, suffering never never ends. And I, I was not good. I was getting Dylan, all sorts of texts, people Dylan, very can say, cocky. Can I say something real quick on that, Dylan? Sure. You me- you messaged me um, when Alabama was going down when they were up 17-13. And, you know, they had a couple nice runs where Michigan was mission, missing tackles. And this is when I saw the first sense of doubt in you. You go, they're missing tackles. This was a fun year. It's over. And mm-hmm. I was going to be my best to be your emotional support animal. And I said, nope, they got to dig deep like those winter workouts. You never work harder in your life than you do in college football. Hang in there and make a play. That's why you work so hard in February and March when it seems outlandish for games like Monday. Correct. And, and they, they the defense holds. They got a yep. sack that pushed in. And Alabama's kicker, the best – Nick Saban just wasted the best kicker he's ever had in his time at Alabama in Rikert. Did he win a national and title as a freshman during the COVID year, Riker? He might have, but it was it was the did. COVID year, and I, well, well, we'll count that one because it, they beat Ohio State. They beat so Ohio State. Actually, count yeah. <laughs> you know, so that that national title that there, you know, there's some, you know, there's there's some exceptions to the rule that they were Mickey Mouse championships. Sam Houston's spring FCS title over South Dakota State, the uh, the the Box Chiefs Super Bowl. Ethan would argue. Well, no, no, no. The Bucks were the definitive champs there. That's that's not a Mickey yeah. Mouse title. No, no. I'm saying that there. That was some of the exceptions. But the Lakers oh. Dodgers championships. Those don't. Those we, those we don't, don't count. count. Yeah. Ethan doesn't count the Gophers COVID year either. Correct, Ethan? No. I I don't count the Michigan year. So we no, only that's, count that's UCS national championship. Oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and we would have counted Florida State if they would have actually beaten Georgia or showed up or at least showed some sort of a pulse, which part of it was Michigan defended Florida State's honor by being an undefeated team left out. And I, I right before that drive, I texted you, Grant, and I said, time to go be a legend, JJ. I yeah. tweeted yeah. that out. And he etched his name into Michigan lore, leading them on a 75-yard drive. And I, 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 it was right the final, like, yeah, that final drive is like, I just decided I'm going to, I'm going to record it, record my reactions and see. And there's a good one of me doing the surrender Cobra on the fourth and fourth and two quorum catch when Roman Wilson got the, uh, the, the, uh, the, well, no, it wasn't the rub route. He got the block in the back. Oh yeah. 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 
And then there's also I I might I should post that onto our YouTube, and uh, and and you there's there's a good clip of me calling him a dumbass because he was classic. Wow. That's so and mean. I I am just telling the truth. It was a very dumb thing of him to do push a guy in the back. He redeemed himself. Luckily they had enough. Luckily they had enough yards that it didn't matter. They still got the first down. They were still at midfield. Go down, score. J.J. McCarthy has an incredible throw, which watching it live, it looked like it was tipped. And I, I saw the tip, and I'm like, no, it's going to get intercepted. And then all of a sudden, Roman Wilson comes out of the nowhere, catches it, and gets down uh, closer to the goal line. You know, and Dylan, showing it again, it was like. Dylan, on that note, J.J. must have spun that as hard as he possibly could. Oh, yeah. Because that ball, bear, like you, it was tipped, but it was still that tight spiral, and it was – it was humming along. Had that been a, a week eight pass against Purdue, that's going the other way. Yeah, that it was. And, and that's the only reason it was it like because it looked like it was tipped. But like you have to have a pretty good set of eyes to realize mm-hmm. it because, I mean, it didn't it hardly ever broke a spiral at all. Yeah. And well, and actually looking t- at the replay, Dylan, had it not been tipped. It may have been intercepted because he would have maybe thrown it a touch farther than what he should. I mean, I, it could have been. You know, you never know. Well, that but, just speaks to the arm, the, the, the arm strength he has too. Yeah. You know, Cade McNamara, as much as I loved Cade, he he can't he can't he doesn't have the spin on that ball. There's there's not many quarterbacks in college football that can. The the guy that Michigan's going to be playing in the national title has that type of spin, but oh, not spin. many after those two. And, no. And they go score, and then you have to sweat out the extra point, and then the final sequence, the punt, which I have no idea what was going on, and then they kept taking timeouts, which made no sense, and just to kneel it, I was like, what, what, what's going on? Let's just, let's just get to overtime. Then it gets to overtime, and then Blake Corum breaks the all-time rushing touchdown record at Michigan with that run. Who did he and, break? And was that did it? Was that Mike? It was uh, Anthony Thomas. Okay. Anthony Thomas. Anthony okay. Carter was a receiver, but he was actually one of the original number ones, the famous number one to wear receivers for Michigan. And then Alabama gets the ball back, and they Milrow had a had a nice nice run that got him a first down and got it to first and goal, and then on second down. Huge play by Mason Graham, who was the Rose Bowl defensive MVP, goes, breaks through, gets a sack or tackle for a loss. And then um, third down, they get it back to the three. One of the only plays Jermaine Burton did made all game, who said that once he gets on the field, the only thing he's going to be thinking about is death. Was it death and, or, was it mur- or was it murder he was looking at? Murder or death. Yeah, some, well, some, something along his college lines. career is dead. So his college <laughs> career was murdered. So. He and game mattered most. The team that always makes these plays in these situations is Alabama. The team that always loses it is Michigan. And you can question the call, but I think you know Alabama had trouble with snaps all snapping the ball all game. And McLaughlin, he I'm not sure if it was it had to be he had to be in his head. He had to have like the yips or something. But that snap to on that fourth down was it was a bad snap, which looking at it, 
in which everybody is speculating the RPO that they had. It was it was it was a good play call, but Milro <laughs> panicked. He didn't have much time, so he just took off and run. And Michigan's D line, like they did all day, stepped up to the task, clogged the hole, didn't let him get through. And Michigan is going off to the lovely, wonderful city of Houston. I definitely don't think that was an RPO. I think that was designed QB run. The D end actually went out like they wanted them to. He had a lane. If he would have looked to his left, he would have walked in. Someone yeah, I saw you know, a video on a, Twitter. A low, a low snap like that just causes everything to just go in panic, in, in, chaos, in panic or chaos. He had a lane um, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, who knows? To your point, maybe he could have gone left, but then if he would have liked it, he could have thrown it too. Right. Um, but, you know, you see the stuff going around the internet, Dylan, to your point. He dumps it off to the left-hand side. It's three on two. More than likely, he walks into the end zone. And then at that point, does Alabama go for two, or does Saban kick the extra point and say, let's play on? I'm just curious. I think Saban kicks I'm, it. Yeah, I think that I, he kicks I, it. I do, I do so. too. I, it would have been curious if Michigan scored with, like, 10 seconds or so less. I would have been curious to see if Michigan would have went for two. Try and get the ball back. You but see, with how dominant, the, the, how dominant Dylan for me, their D line was all game, and how really Alabama couldn't get a consistent offense going. Would they have 270 yards in the day? If I'm Harbaugh, I'm trusting my defense, and I'm just I'm kicking. Yeah. It's not like you're um a huge a huge underdog, and you you know you can't go up against these guys. Yeah, guard was so I, bad. I think may, I, maybe because they missed the P, missed the kick and then they that's missed, true botched the snap on the PAT. That's kind of where I was possibly thinking maybe they just go for it, don't let it go, be in the hands of a kicker. But um, it it worked out, and Michigan has plenty left to play for. They can play certainly play a lot better, and they're going to have to against a really good Washington team. Which let's go uh, let's go to that game. It was. I don't know. It felt like a weird game to me where Washington led the whole way, but it never felt like I, I thought Washington was in total control just because I didn't seem like they were able to run the ball. Um, Texas was still moving the ball at a good clip, but they would, you know, they'd have a, have a, some penalties. They turn the ball over. Um, and Texas was just sloppy, nervous. And, you know, to Washington's credit, they did a good job of um, executing. They, you know, a lot of deep balls. Um, and uh, defensively, Washington did a good job of keeping Texas behind the sticks. They won on first and second down, making it obvious passing situations for for yours. And um, they didn't get the run game going until later. But when they did, they were still averaging seven yards a carry. Uh, but the, the self-inflicted wounds were a little bit too much. Uh, Penix, Penix was sensational. I think he should be get serious. And if it was up to me, I would put him, give him, take him with the number one pick in the draft. I like him over Caleb Williams. I think he's a, got more intangibles than Caleb. I mean, Michael Penix, he's been was first four years of college. He found himself injured, and that's probably one of the ter- deterring factors as to why he isn't more. There's more discussion about him being the number one pick, but. I also think there needs to be a lot to be said that the last two years he's been at Washington, he has stayed on the field. He has played well, and that's a credit to him putting in the work in the offseason is building up his body and developing a game from the pocket, not relying on his legs as much where he's turned more into a quarterback who can run rather than a running quarterback. 
And um, and then at the end of the game, the just the unfortunate injury to Dylan Williams, which gave Texas 47 seconds instead of what would have been about 20 seconds. And uh, Texas went right down the field, and Sark actually called a really good play at the end there that if Ewers actually throws the ball where it's supposed to be thrown, we're talking about a Texas-Michigan matchup instead of a Texas-Washington matchup. But the great play by the defensive back from Washington and a um, and you give him his credit, and we have our we have a matchup, a national title matchup between Michigan and Washington. Well, yeah, and I think I think you just kind of just with this Washington game. The reason why I felt confident in Texas going into the game was I thought they were better up front on both sides of the ball. And when Texas got the ball running on offense, they were, and they didn't let Washington run the ball all night, but that Texas pass rush just was not there with the athletes they have, um, you know, up front with sweat and Anthony Hill jr. I thought they could get after Michael Penix and let's not kid ourselves here. This Washington offense is an NFL offense with the concepts they run, the speed they have in their quarterback. You can't cover guys for four to five seconds against this Washington team. If you do, you're going to be in trouble. And, and you know, Texas, Texas learned that the hard way. Uh, what, did, what did Michael Penix finish with? 449 yards. Um, it was something like that. I think that. it was like the second most in a semifinal game, like of all time. And I don't care what, what you're doing. Anytime you let a quarterback throw for over 400 yards, you're not going to win that game. And on top of that, they went over for 100 rushing yards too. So it wasn't like they were just straight up one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they just yeah, they moved the ball at will. And even, you know, in the second half when they settled for all those field goals, they were still moving the ball. They were deep in Texas territory. Um, you know, Texas's defense finally had enough and finally showed up and, uh, you know, made a play. You wonder if Texas was out in Bourbon Street a little too much, um, you know, on New Year's Eve and they had a little fun and, they were like, oh, yeah, shoot, we got a football game to play. 29 of 38 for 430 yards was 430. Okay. Was, uh, Penix. I knew it was 430. So, and it was, uh, yeah, it was late. It was a late game. I was glad that game didn't have to go to overtime, but the, those last two drives defensively where Texas moved the ball and then in the red zone, unable to come away with a touchdown. If Texas is able to come away with a red zone, the possession before all Texas has to do is kick a field goal there. Mm -hmm. And, but Washington, their situational defense has come up big all season long. And it showed again in the sugar bowl here. Well, and, but, and Dylan, like I told you last week coming into this game, um, my biggest key to the game was Texas's red zone offense. They only scored a touchdown in 44% of their drives this year in the red zone. Or was it um, either 44% or 40 or 44th in the country? That's not going to cut it. You know, that'll cut it in the Big 12 when they can have a lot of big plays, you know, to a Donnie Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, before Jonathan Brooks got hurt and Sanders. But when you're playing a national championship caliber team who's beaten, who's beaten Oregon twice and won on the road at Oregon State and won a tough game at home against Washington State, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. It came back to bite Texas in the butt. And then those two, you know, second half turnovers, um, just drive killers, just drive killers. Yeah, well, that that one that that their last turnover that they had, it was one of those most bizarre, like bizarre turnovers I've ever seen. Where 
they they ruled him down and then they show the replay and he was juggling yeah. it for about five yards yeah and the washington player you could see it was like no no he was not down you need to challenge that right away and yeah. and they did and they got it and but you know but, Bill, Dylan, also, one, one thing I noticed, I'm going to go back to this Michigan game real quick. One thing I thought was really smart for them to do was just not line up in your classic Michigan, um, you know, one back, two tight end set, one back and a full back and try to out, out physical Alabama. Because for the most part, you don't do that. And in the first half and in the second half, when they were get going, it was 11 personnel, you know, two wide receivers, three wide receivers. They were spreading Alabama out. They made Alabama play with three defensive linemen. Um, when Alabama shut Michigan down, they put four guys, five guys down the line of scrimmage, and they said, nope, J.J., you have to beat us. But when um, Michigan kind of spread them out a little bit and Michigan, Alabama had to cover, and they could only have five guys in the box, it was to their advantage. And now I'm going back to the second game. You could see um, Texas was doing that to Washington, and that's when they were getting those seven yards of carry. So I look for Michigan to do the same thing. Um, continue to kind of try to spread it out, but keep this power game going where you have a light box and you can just lean, lean, lean on these guys and hopefully wear them out in the second half. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get to the, uh, we'll finish the show with our, with our national championship preview here, but for bowl picks, we, when we did it, I, I, I was actually in a bowl prediction pool. Do you want to okay. take a guess of what my bowl rec bowl predicting prediction record is right now how, how many total bowls were there can i get a guess like i just like was there 42 or, 42 bomb um, there 40 there was 41 there's there's 42 total bowls and Jesus. i missed the first one i made my predictions like right after the first game kicked off so i the only one i missed was the ohio georgia southern game so other than that four- i had every bowl prediction so there's 40 bowl games. 41 or four, 40. Yeah, I have 41. You, but you bet you picked 40 of them. I picked. I or there's 42 bowl games. I picked okay. 41 of them. I'm gonna say you went 31 and 10. Close. I'll say 22 and, and 32 and nine. That's impressive. I right. And I do have to give thanks some thanks to you guys because I. I, uh, I I changed my picks based on some of what you guys said. We we picked the uh, the the Louisville USC game. We all got wrong, but yeah. I, I I originally had Miami, but we, you guys both went with Rutgers, so I went with Rutgers. And uh, um, I I was right picking Notre Dame to beat Oregon State. I believe I was going to pick Memphis. Well, I probably sh- I should have stuck with my guns about with Memphis. But uh, um, because uh, Iowa State won that one, or no, or Memphis won that one. Yeah, I yeah I was or Memphis did win, but yeah, changed it. And then the the Ohio State Missouri game, you guys both picked Missouri. I was gonna pick Ohio State just because, and and same with Penn State Ole Miss, but because usually with Ohio State, what we've seen, and this is from previous Ryan Day or um not Ryan Day, but Urban Meyer teams is when they play in these bowl games, they play, they play, they actually will come out and play pretty well and act like they wanted to be there. Ohio state had no desire to be there. I think I saw something today that said a D lineman said that they had, 
they have, they practiced a total six of six times in the 21 day span, which clearly showed. And uh, the Penn State Ole Miss, it was a mat- battle of two coaches. Of neither of them have really had a great bowl showing. James Franklin won the Rose Bowl last year, which is partially why I was going to pick Penn State. But I was like, yeah, you know what? Screw them. Let's let's go with the Rebels. So I went with the Rebels, and it paid off. And you're welcome. What a, what what a mess down in uh, what a mess down in in Happy Valley, which. I guess but it's hey, more so they, Sad they Valley got, now. They got Ohio State's third best wide receiver from this year to join their team next yeah. year. So that, uh-huh. that'll fix the receiver issues there at Penn State. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and uh, we got to we got to watch Craig Bowl finish his uh, coaching career out with a win. The uh, um, Grant, do you have any any word on the uh, on the Cheese It Citrus Bowl? Like I texted you guys, um, as a fan, I have now officially entered the transfer portal. Uh, please respect my decision. And if I find a new team, I'll let everyone know. And if not, I'll just be a college football fan in general and enjoy the game and whoa, enjoy whoa, the pageantry. Whoa, that is my $1 NIL offer that I offered. That is what I will consider. Okay. okay. That's part of the, um, you know, the portal process of okay. looking for a new team and, or maybe not a new team and just being a fan. Um, but no, seriously, when you lose to three ranked teams in a year by a combined score of ninety-two to zero, it's 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 done. It's it's done. The Brian The Brian Ferentz era in Iowa ends with the with scoring three points in the final ten quarters. Yeah. <laughs> they scored wow. three points against Nebraska in the second in the second half, and then they got shut out in the Big Ten championship game and then in the Citrus Bowl. But that was, uh, yeah, so there is some, uh, hopefully there will be some announcement that gives Grant some opportunity. Um, I believe there's still an opportunity for him to come back to be an Iowa fan, but there I guess is. we will we'll see. So. But yeah, like, like the high school re- recruits say, uh, please respect my decision, and that's all I ask. All right. Well, then let's go up to the NFL here. We'll get back to a we'll 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 put a bow on the show by discussing the national championships because we'll uh, we'll even give a little bit of a talk about the FCS championship game. But let's go up to the we recap week seventeen here and we'll start surprising, disappointing. Told you so. Now, Bill, is there the, a rhyme? Uh, with- is there a rhyme or reason for the helmets this week, or what are, what are we doing here? Uh, yes, yes and no. Yes Stay, and tuned, no. Fo- Stay tuned, folks. So, with the first pick in the week 17 NFL dra- uh, recap, the first pick is me. The, uh, the second pick is... I think he's cooking the books, Ethan. He's had a great week. Ethan? And then Grant pulling up the rear. Ah. And Ethan, I, I chose the Lions for you is because I was sick of my helmets falling down, and I didn't want to grab a Vikings one without knocking down the Falcons, I, I the Bears, Panthers. division leaders. Yeah, I was, yeah. But that, yeah, it, it, yeah. That, that's exactly kind of how it worked out was division yeah. leaders. So Division leaders and, 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 or because, two, and or two of the three are division champs. Yes. 
Yes, and hopefully adding a third to that. And because the Cowboys beat the uh, beat the Lions on Saturday. And uh, my surprise team here is is the well, what the ref call is going to go a team that uh, that helped propel the Cowboys <laughs> into first place in the in the NFC East is the Arizona Cardinals. Damn it, you stole mine. Ref- <laughs> well, you know, we could, because we have done this before. We did this with Josh Dobbs. If you guys are good with this, we could just make this our consensus surprise team of the week. No, 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 no. No, Ethan's got his own. Okay, I'm That's sure. Stupid. All right, fair enough. It, was, it wasn't a Viking, so it was stupid. I got you. I'll figure it out. But, uh, yeah, so rough year, rough year down down in the desert. But it's a Jonathan Gannon revenge game. And they seem dead. The birds were flying high. But it was the Cardinals that were flying higher after they got down 21-6. to I don't think I am far off to say that Kyler Murray played probably, maybe played the best game of his career on, on Sunday. Um, they, I thought he, he looked in rhythm. He was getting the ball out on time. Uh, he made a couple of his circus plays that he is so well known for and what's made him successful in this league. And then James Connor, Connor looked like he was looking like his rookie year in Pittsburgh. And then Jonathan Gannon right away, when it happened, we thought, Oh, what an idiot. Why would he try to try this onside kick? But then it was, Oh, if I, if I kick it deep, the Eagles might drive down the field and kick a game-winning field goal. My our offense, which is clicking on all cylinders, is going to might not get a chance to get the ball back. So he said, "You know what? Screw it. I trust my defense enough that we can hold them to 3 and we're going to get the ball back. We're going to go down and score." And that's exactly what they did. And instead of being the donkey of the week, he is the genius of the week in Jonathan Gannon. And the pew 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 guy makes the uh, Eagles fan miss him a little bit because if you guys remember, he was blamed play. He was blamed for the uh, collapse in the Super Bowl and the reason why the Eagles didn't win it last year, but he got the laugh or got the laugh for now, because right now the Eagles are on the outside looking in, in the NFC East here. And I cannot thank the Cardinals enough. Um. Dylan, I'm not going with the Vikings, but I'm going with the team that beat them, the Packers. And not just because they won. I feel I, I thought they were expected to win. It's how they won. That was probably the best quarterback play the Vikings have had versus them in months. Jordan Love, like, flawless, 125 passer rating, three touchdowns, eight yards a cat, or uh, eight yards a pass, 177 rushing yards. And this Vikings defense has been good. And they weren't down a ton of players, but my God, they just didn't matter what they did. They they could get whatever they wanted. Some guy named Bo Melton just signed for their practice squad, 105 yards receiving. Like, who in the hell is this guy? Um, they're doing this with average players. Like, none of these outside guys are really that great. The NFC North has a problem, and, and it's honestly Jordan Love. And just when we thought that the Packers, the franchise was dead, all of a sudden Jordan Love comes out. I mean, Matt LaFleur, probably the best play-calling game of his career. And and Joe Barry's defense looked like they had a pulse again. And, you know, it was it was one of those games where I, the Vikings, you know, it, it, was, it was a fun run 
have enjoy the the Josh Dobbs moments, the Nick Mullins moments, but I think they're the clock has struck midnight on them, and it's no indictment of anybody else. The fact that they've won seven games and found themselves with a outside shot at the playoffs is just speaks to the job, the coaching job that Kevin O'Connell and that staff has done. And I think, you know, Vikings, hopefully they're able to re-sign Kirk and get back to where, you know, seeing a three-horse race for the uh, for the division, the, the NFC North next year. It's actually pretty wild. The Vikings can go from anywhere between the ninth overall pick into the playoffs. Into the playoffs. Like, it's just, yeah. that's crazy. So, you know, guys. Get the ninth t- pick, okay? I'm sorry. Go beat Detroit is what I mean. No, 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 no. Say it with your chest. Lose this game. Get the draft capital. Because, let's call a spade a spade. This Vikings team is getting their ass kicked in Dallas in the playoffs if they make it. Don't oh, even. Yeah. <laughs> don't even. <laughs> save, the, save the embarrassment and just get, the, get, the, get a top 10 pick. But, Ethan, to your point. Jordan Love, this season he's having, would be the best quarterback year the Chicago Bears had in franchise history. It, yeah. It's yeah. it's incredible. Like, I I don't get it. Um, there's some sort of deal the city of Green Bay made with the NFL to where this middle-of-nowhere place that um, makes cheese curds and beer is going to be the quarterback factory. I don't get it. But here we are. And uh, – so it's it's my turn now, and actually, um, you guys stole both teams. I wrote down in my notes for surprise I'll give you team. One if you need one. No, no, no. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Yeah, we we have two or three. Ethan, because I also had the Packers. Grant had but had the I'm Cardinals. Gonna, so I'm, I'm gonna go back to Arizona, but for reasons Dylan did not mention. So it's been a rough year for the Cardinals. They deserve their credit, so we're gonna give it to them. Um, and if you if you think about it, guys, just the logistics of this game going across the country, losing three time zones, and having a 1 p.m. kickoff in Philadelphia, that's a recipe for them to lose by 14 points, especially after the night before when Dallas got the win. Um, the Eagles needed this to get a first to get a home playoff game and maybe two home playoff games. Um, but Arizona, you know, they were maybe a little sluggish. Like you said, Dylan, they were down 21-6, but you know, this offensive line for the Cardinals, they were fantastic on Sunday. 40 rushing attempts, guys, for 221 yards. 5.5 yards per carry. That didn't happen last year when Jonathan Gannon was coaching this um, this Eagles defense. The three the three first-round picks from Georgia, where were they on, on Sunday stopping the run? Where was Hassan Reddick? Where's Hassan Reddick? I know he had a sack Paris in the game. Johnson, but... Was that Paris Johnson, the, the tackle out of Ohio State they drafted? Paris Johnson, that is correct. Phenomenal job. Incredible. Yes. Um, they signed uh, Zach Cunningham this offseason. He's nowhere to be seen. Shaq Leonard. We're going to bring him off the street. Yeah, an off-ball linebacker is going to change our defense. People in the media are so stupid. We knew he wasn't going to do anything in Philadelphia. But Arizona came in there with bad intentions. And Dylan, to your point, Kyler, 25 of 31 for 232 yards, 7.5 yards in attempt. And just, just one turnover on the road. That is efficient. And they, they only gave up one sack. Arizona's offensive line. So, and I know it's a rough year. They're four and 12, but you know what? They've played hard in a lot of these games. And if they can get some of these draft picks, right. And bring in the good quality players, who knows? This Arizona team might not be horrible. The NFC West is a tough division. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team here anytime soon, but Jonathan Gannon clearly has these guys playing hard. 
um, week in and week out. And maybe they're building something good in the desert. And let's give Arizona's defense credit. At home, they only gave up 24 points to the Eagles' offense thanks to the Sydney Brown pick six. And Jalen only threw for 167 yards in the air. Um, you don't let A.J. Brown beat you and you let old man Julio Jones score your two touchdowns? I'm okay with that. Um, so, well-deserved, Arizona. You deserve getting credit times two this week. I'm not going to dispute it, yeah? And and not to mention how much of a disaster what we've read in the media of how bad the culture in Arizona is between the ownership and front office for Jonathan Gannon mm-hmm. to come in. You, you There wasn't a whole lot of expectations because I think a lot of people, and this podcast included, wrote Kyler Murray off. And because oh, yeah. because of his attitude is you know just poor body language and you're not seeing it as much as you have so maybe Jonathan Gannon's got something clicking in there that maybe if Kyler's able to turn it around i there there's lots of reasons for positivity in Arizona and well, just a, just a week late or a week after Grant you and I were talking about how they were an irrelevant franchise so you know correct. what you know what i guess Arizona if if we're the fuel that helps get you guys make hey, makes we, you guys better you're welcome we, we better we be got, getting a super bowl ring if if, if they ever win a hey, super bowl we got houston at nine and seven we did exactly we, so we should just start talking about these lowly franchises and build them building them up and we get our credit when credit is due i i, I think we've done a good job of solving their problems and pointing out we have what their issues are and what they need to do it's and also, shout out to Ethan back till April, saying in his mock draft, Arizona needs to protect Kyler. So, yeah, shout out to Mr. Shout out to yeah. Mr. Price there. Yeah. And then with their second pick, and the their one of their first picks in the second round, they Tell took me Mike edge Mayock. Rusher. They, you're better than Mike Mayock because you have a job and he doesn't. Um, yeah. um, but they took an edge rusher from LSU. Jonathan Gannon's building this thing from the inside out. Now, don't get me wrong. If Marvin Harrison is there at four, take him. Um, but if not, there's plenty of tackles and edge rushers available for Arizona in this upcoming draft. Yeah, for sure. And let's go, Grant. Let's stick with you. Who do you hey. have for your disappointing team of the week? Uh, I'm not so much a disappointing team. I'm going right for a player. He was talking a lot of smack last week with season on the line. And Jamar Chase, uh, there's a witness protection program out for you in Kansas City. Because you didn't show up after the middle of the second quarter in that game. Um, Are you saying Chase wasn't on the case? Chase was not on the case. He was definitely not on the case. case. And uh, Jamar talked a lot of shit before this game, and he didn't back it up. Um, You know, the week he comes back from having a separated shoulder against the Vikings. Um, Chiefs defense, there's no superstars. It's nothing special. Um, Legereus Sneed, he's their best, but he's only their best because he has to double team people all the time. And Jamar, that's just not true because every game this year, the has been on the other teams. One, it's been one-on-one and he's shot a lot of dudes down. Um, but like I said, just with the season on the line and the smack talk that he's had these last couple of years against the chiefs, he just, he hasn't backed it up. Um, and I know this goes back to last year before last year's regular season game. Justin Reed called um, T. Higgins Higby because they played the Rams the week before. They were John there before the AFC title game last year. Willie Gay is saying there's nothing special about the Bengals offense. Jamar Jamar called the Chiefs toxic in the offseason. And again, 
some friendly banter in the NFL rivalries. We need it. And again, three catches for only 41 yards, nothing in the second half. Um, your season is on the line against a team that you had some success against before. Well, he hasn't scored a touchdown in the last three games he's played against the Chiefs. And that continued on Sunday. Now he just, he couldn't back it up. Um, Legere shut him down for the most part. And now he's eliminated and his season is over. And we can truly say that Justin Jefferson is the best receiver from LSU in the NFL now. Mm-hmm. Grant, you, you enjoyed that a little bit, didn't you? Oh, it was so much fun. Um, and just <laughs> to eliminate the Bengals two years in a row, um, T. Higgins had one catch. I know he hurt his hamstring, but hey, everyone's hurt this time of the year. For some reason, they went away from Joe Mixon. Um, on a fourth down play, the Bengals decide to not block Willie Gay right up the middle when they should have kicked a field goal. Like Dylan said, this isn't the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs anymore. Um, Coach Taylor, get the field goal, get to 20 points. Um, but no, yeah. I'm that, saying, in a sense, that flipped the game. You, there was... Yeah, the Chiefs at that point were reeling a little bit. They and and you could tell that they sold out on sold out on that play too. That play oh, yeah. did not even stand a chance at all. And that brought Arrowhead back to life. Back that to brought life. the crowd back into it. And then it wasn't long after that you saw Mahomes hit Rasheed Rice. That got him into field goal range. And then and then and, it was over. Yep. But yes, um, Ethan, who do you have for your uh, your disappointing? Team going this with a week. team that had very real chance of winning their division, and uh, they shit the bed up in Chicago. I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, probably their worst loss of the year. Granted, yes, they have been playing better in the Bears, but they were just terrible. Um, they don't have a quarterback. Heineke's trash. 10 of 29. Like, are you freaking serious? I get it was snowing. I get it's cold. That's awful. Uh, one TD, three picks. The only nice play they had was a Allgaier or Algier, whatever his name is, 75-yard screen touchdown. Other than that, I want to say they had less than uh, – yeah, that would have put them at almost 200 yards. That was almost a quarter of their of their yards right there. So um, <laughs> not ideal. How many turnovers did they have? I think they had four turnovers. Yeah, four turnovers. They didn't uh, force a turnover versus the Bears. And in a game you needed to win, that was about as bad as performance as you could uh, really hope for. Yeah, and I mean the Arthur Smith uh, clock might might have struck midnight. I think they might be it's, looking for a new coach. Yeah, I think you is. have to at this point, just because he he was so religiously was so said Desmond. They had a chance to go get Lamar Jackson, and they nah nah. We got Desmond Ritter. He's the guy. And uh, I I don't know how that Jackson guy's doing, but um, you know, is he is he having a decent year? He's going to win the MVP. He's um, my MVP. Oh, yeah. Just throwing that out there. So, yeah, he's he's doing just fine. You know, Dylan, his team is 13-3, and three, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, his team is 13-3. Yeah. and three. Well, I did just see Odell may have rented out a yacht again, so I'm I'm a little bit... Um, Lamar? A little bit nervous. Yeah, Do about everything the... in your power to stay away from that yacht. Stay away from the yacht and the crab cakes. Um, for these next these next four weeks, just stay away. Go home, hang out with your mom in South Florida, um, and just do not go anywhere near that yacht. Yeah. Well, 
and my disappointing team is a team that I thought had a good shot to win their division this year, but now it's oh, seems very unlikely that they will even make the playoffs. And that's going to be the and I don't want to have to do this because I've liked this team. Minnesota Vikings. I've started to I've started to like this team a little bit more these last two years, but I'm gonna have to bring the name out because that's kind of what they looked like. They looked like the Rainy City Bitch Pigeons. Oh, yeah, against yeah. the Steelers team that they played great last week, but there is no reason a backup quarterback should be able to walk in, walk into uh, Lumen Field and act like he owns the place. They f- came out flat. The defense looked like looked like Swiss cheese. And, you know, they had a chance to really put the clamps down, give themselves an opportunity to put the, put themselves in the playoffs. And the def- defense, which has been a problem all year, didn't show up, ran the ball, f- gave up 200 yards on the ground. Um, Are you saying they could have used Jalen Carter? They could have used Jalen Carter. Do I get to use that line again? You do. Seattle. Where is all this? This this petty petty Grant is coming out today. I it's I fun. did not know I, this this existed. This is this is a little bit. Of, it it is fun, isn't it? This is this is fun. Maybe it's this um maybe it's this new height sweatshirt I got on. Maybe I'm feeling a little cocky, a little arrogant, like Travis. Um, who knows? Maybe it's a new year and it's truly a new me. New mm. year, new Grant. That could be. That's not how it goes. I don't know. Well, you know, I I don't know. It's. And I'm kind of pissed I didn't get to didn't forgot to uh, mention it, but I haven't seen you guys since last year, so it was great to see you guys. This wily and, son of a bitch here. <laughs> you know that 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 was like one of the few things that got me through the work week last week from because Christmas to New Year's pointless time to work. Nobody wants to be there. Nothing really <laughs> ever gets accomplished. The That's only correct. thing that got me through last week was telling customers I was going to see him next year. And this week, really, the only thing getting me through the week is is telling customers, wow, it's nice to see you. I haven't seen you since last year. <laughs> it's the oldest joke in the book, but it's just awesome. It is. And if you don't like it, get out, leave. See you later. See you never. So let's go to told you so team of the week here and it is it is a team that i despise i don't have many nice things to say about them and it's the philadelphia eagles this nick seriani fake tough guy i'm not in the camera (laughs) i know what i'm doing i'm just this bad mf look at me i'm gonna yell at yell at everybody and uh I'm going to talk. Um, smack it, it's to, starting to wear off. I'm going to talk smack to fans to the team I lost to in the Super Bowl last year. I don't want to hear it from you anymore. You didn't beat me in February. I can talk all I want to talk. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's all right. It's starting to wear off. People are kind of Eagles fans are kind of getting sick of the 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 shtick that he has. There's rumors saying that there's some possibilities that he could be let go if there's some. Uh, some things do not change. The offense um, refuses to give DeAndre Swift the ball, and, um, and rather than when they were ten and one, they they started feeling themselves about the uh, the Jalen Hurts hype of winning the MVP. He was the favorite, 
and they got away from what's made that offense click, and that's giving giving Agent Zero the football. AJ Brown hates his quarterback, refuses to talk to the media. Devontae Smith is hurt, says that we need to keep playing better. The secondary is a disaster. And they need need a win and some luck to not be going to Tampa or New Orleans or New Orleans or Atlanta, no matter what. But that uh, that the Eagles are my told you so team of the week. Uh, I'm going with the same team I picked two weeks ago. I don't feel bad about it. The New Orleans Saints. Uh, they went in, beat Tampa on the road. It comes down to the last Destroyed week. Destroyed them. Yeah, mm-hmm. they beat the shit out of them. Uh, comes down to the last week, and just like we predicted, one of the worst divisions in football, if not the worst division in football. It's been terrible. It's been ugly. But uh, if the Saints can knock off, I want to see who the heck do they play again? They play the they uh, play the Falcons. They play the Falcons. They play the Falcons. Oh, yeah, and. Bucks play at Carolina, but I don't know if Baker's going to play. He hasn't practiced all week yet. Uh, oh. His ribs, I guess, are very much questionable. Uh, oh. So if they don't play, I, I I like the Panthers. I think they win. I think the Saints win the division, and uh, they live to fight another day in the playoffs. Host in Philadelphia or Philly? Yeah, Philly. Yeah. Yeah, unless Dallas lays a right, huge, yeah, huge egg. Washington, which is totally possible. It is on the road. It's possible. I'm not, I'm not oh, ruling yeah. it out. Yeah. After all the uh, after after all the talk on our, our social medias of the video I posted of me changing the rankings for the for the ah, NFC East. Yes. I uh, you know, and everybody's saying how the Cowboys won because of a bad call, this, that, this, that, and the other, and how. It's rigged that the NFL so the Cowboys can get two home playoff games. I was like, dude, it's the Cowboys. This is the perfect spot for them to absolutely go just shit the bed, shit the bed against against Washington, a team that has zero reason to win. And basically, Ron Rivera's last game, Ron Rivera's last game win and and to lock up the number two pick in the draft. You know, this is a classic opportunity for the Cowboys to just lay lay an egg. You know, Dylan, I just I just thought of this here. Um, you know, people are talking oh, about God. How, no, 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 no. How the refs gave uh, that game away um, to the Cowboys Saturday night. No, I think there's just something in the AT&T Stadium. Friday night, Ohio State lays an egg. Saturday night, Taylor Decker fails to report as an eligible receiver. People in Ohio State just don't like AT&T Stadium. They, you know, they haven't, you know, since they. Since they lost, there they won the national. They won title the national title there. Fourteen. Yeah. You know, they may have won the battle, but they they're, they're right now losing the war. <laughs> they're losing the war to AT and T Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but <laughs> who do you have for your "Told You So" team of the week, Grant? Um, you know, this is a, a head coach Ethan and I talked about maybe about a month ago before Vikings game, saying about how his offense is creative and cool and it's going to make waves, but eventually his shtick is going to catch up to him and it's not going to work out. That's the Miami Dolphins. Um, laid an absolute egg on on Sunday with the possible number one seed. I, I, I understand they are banked up. They were out without Mostert and they were without Waddle, but they did not look ready to play that game uh, from, from the start. Their offense went down the field, get seven points, but, you know, 
their all-world defense, if you listen to them on Hard Knocks uh, with Vic Fangio, could not stop a, a nosebleed on Sunday. Tyreek, his head was not in the game because he dropped a wide-open touchdown. And, you know, you can't trust this offense. Oh, his head somewhere. His head, yeah. <laughs> um, and then this, their defense, again, I will say this, is not a good unit. They've just they've played bad teams. You play the Jets two times in a four week stretch, your defense is gonna be number one in a lot of categories because the Jets are putrid. And once again, this offense struggled against a defensive team. Um again, I think they've played five playoff teams this year. They've scored over twenty points one time in those five games. They're one and four against playoff teams. Bradley Chubb gets hurt. Um again they um their center might not play on Sunday. Even then, their offensive line still gave up Bradley three Chubb's sacks. Bradley Chubb's done for the year, yeah. Bradley Chubb's done for the year, yeah, with that ACL. I saw that replay right away, and I was like, whew, that poor dude's done. Um, their offensive line lets Tua get sacked three times. And um, that Lamar Jackson guy, you know, he's pretty good. He was able to throw for 321 yards. And the Ravens rushed for 160 yards on the ground as a team. Um, I said before the year, I thought the Dolphins would be the team to miss the playoffs. Um, and I just – I don't like where they're going right now, and I don't trust McDaniel as a motivator when times are tough to get men motivated. Um, and I don't, I don't think he's a leader. I think he's a cool, innovative guy who can interview well, and he's young and hip, but I just – I don't see the Dolphins going that far. Yeah, I – it's – they – well, that and as much as banged up as they are and – they're, they need to they need to draft an offensive lineman to shore up that offensive line, and I I think they need to get younger because because most are as good as he has been at times he's he is he's old he is const he's constantly hurt mm-hmm. so and, and same same with Achan Achan's been banged up for most of the year as well and they need to yeah. to shore up that run game because when they are at their best is is when they are running they're running the ball and running using ball. using play action to open up that open up Tyreek Waddle, Braxton Berrios, Cedric Wilson. But in, you know, Xavier and, Howard, he's getting up, he's almost 30. Jalen Ramsey's almost 30. Um I don't know if Christian Wilkins has gotten paid or he's going to need to get paid. I mean, this team they're teetering on it could could go the wrong way here soon. Yep. And that wraps up our week 17 recap in the NFL. Let's stay in the NFL. We've got week 18 and we'll start. We'll be going go over all the playoff scenarios here. So Atlanta, this is what they need to do to get in. They need to win in a Tampa Bay loss. Simple. Cowboys, they're already in. They can they clinch the division with a win or a tie in Philly tie or a Philly loss. The Packers win it in, but if they if they tie, Seattle has to lose or tie, and New Orleans the Saints have to lose or tie, or they can tie, but Seattle loses, Tampa Bay loses, or another Green Bay tie, Seattle tie, Tampa Bay loss, or Minnesota loss or tie with a Seattle loss and Tampa Bay loss, or Vikings lose. Loser tie, Seattle lost, New Orleans lost. Vikings can clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Green Bay loss and a Seattle loss and a Tampa Bay loss. Or they win with a Green Bay loss 
and a Seattle loss or and the Saints loss. Saints can clinch with a with a win and a Tampa Tampa Bay loss loss or tie or with a Saints tie and a Tampa Bay loss. They that's how they clinch the clinch the South. They can clinch a playoff berth though with a win and a Seattle loss or tie and a Green Bay loss or tie or a Saints tie the Saints tie with a Seattle loss or a Green Bay loss. Philly pretty straightforward win Dallas loss or tie or both team both Eagles and Cowboys tie. Seattle can win with a Green Bay loss or tie or or a tie with Seattle ties with a Green Bay loss or Tampa Bay loss or or tie or Seattle can tie with a Green Bay loss and Saints loss or tie. The Bucks, they uh they win and they are they uh they are wearing hat and t-shirts. And or if they they can tie and the Saints t- lose or tie, they'll still be wearing the t-shirts. They can clinch playoff berth though with a tie, Seattle loss and a Green Bay loss or tie. And then in the AFC, Buffalo, which is crazy that they're they are in the playoffs and they have the most at stake, I would say. They could win, they win the AFC East. But if they lose, they or they can clinch a play, playoff berth with a Buffalo tie or a Pittsburgh loss or tie or a Jacksonville loss or tie or a Houston and Indy tie. Which I, I think if the AFC South, if there there's a tie in these last uh these last this last their last two games, I wouldn't be shocked. Um the Texans can can clinch the AFC South with a Houston w- with a win and a Jacksonville loss or tie, or they can clinch a playoff berth with a win and in, or they tie with a Jacksonville loss and a Pittsburgh loss or tie. The Colts can win. They need some they need some help here. They need to win. With a Jacksonville loss or tie, or a tie and a Jacksonville loss, they can clinch a playoff berth with a win, or so, or a Indy tie and a Pittsburgh loss. Uh, Jacksonville, whoop. Jacksonville, they 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 clinch the South, the AFC South with a win or a tie and a Indy Indianapolis and Houston tie. Just for chaos reasons, I'm kind of rooting for that because I think that would be kind of funny. Or they can clinch a playoff berth with a Jacksonville tie or Pittsburgh loss or tie or Pittsburgh loss plus a Denver loss or tie plus Houston Indy doesn't end in a tie. And the uh, the Dolphins, they're already in the playoffs, but they can win the division with a with a win or a tie. And the uh, the Steelers, the last one here, they can clinch a playoff berth with a win and a buff Buffalo loss or a Jacksonville loss or tie or a Houston and Indy tie or a Jacksonville loss. Houston and Indy doesn't end in a tie or a Jacksonville loss plus a Denver win plus a Houston and Indy doesn't end in tie. Did you guys get all that? Oh, yep. my God. Grant's brain is hurting. Oh, my God. My brain is so fried right now. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, really, you figured all that out. So definitely read an article, but God forbid who that whoever figured that out. I uh, uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted it out, and I saved it in my phone too. Jesus, that, that so came, yeah, I did. That came right from I the NFL. Not, I did not memorize that. The NFL I would sense. be very. I, I'd be 
very give them a pat on the back if they were able to memorize all that. But the, the, NFL, game, sent, the sent, NFL sent Rappaport a memo. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to start my game of the week here. It's going to be the, the Sunday night game, Bills versus Dolphins. And it is a battle of uh, for AFC. The Bills are going for their fourth straight AFC East title. Uh, the Dolphins are in a tough spot, losing Bradley Chubb. I don't know who they're going to have even able to play. And uh, I don't Alex know if most it's going to be. Yeah, Alex Van Ginkle. Um, but this game, I'm, I, I'm not sure what to think of Buffalo because outside of when they destroyed Dallas, they've come back to earth a little bit, and they struggled against the Chargers. They didn't play great against the Patriots Last week, it's kind of resorted back to, you know, where they've had the turnovers, their inconsistent play calling, inconsistent on offense. I'm, I, it, it, it's a game of, I'm not sure I can trust either team in the spot. And I think it's going to come down to a rut, the running game. And I, and, and who wins the turnover battle? Cause both quarterbacks are prone to throwing the ball to the other team or fumbling the ball to the other team. But in the end, I trust Sean McDermott. I trust Josh Allen more than I trust ja, Mike McDaniel and and Tua. And I actually think the Bills win by two scores. I like the Bills winning winning 23-14. I'm actually going to go to a game that has massive divisional implications as well. Colts and Texans. Uh, I won't go super into detail who I think wins because that would kind of spoil or at least lead you oh, on. To Ethan, I don't mean to interrupt you on this one, but this will be C.J. Stroud's first time he's ever played in Indianapolis. Let's give it up for him. Whoa, whoa, he whoa. finally made it to Indy. Wow, that's cold. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, super good game. Obviously, Jacksonville plays Tennessee. Tennessee, that's us. I just knew it was a blue team. Uh, going to be a tough game uh, for sure down there. So whoever wins this could very easily win the division. And two coaches who could be coach of the year candidates. Um, Dylan, t- who, who, who wins the division if they all tie? Would it be, would it be Jacksonville? I think it'd be Jacksonville. I think, yeah, it's Jacksonville. Jacksonville right now. That makes yeah, sense. because Jacksonville's the four right now. Yes. Yeah. Oh boy. So, so you said if 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 both teams tie or yeah, both if games are tied, th- yeah, all three, yeah. All three tie. That's yeah. in the that's in the scenario, boys. We got to trust trust the scenario prediction or uh, format here. It says it does say Jacksonville wins the South with a tie and a Houston Indy tie. <laughs> that's such a go. sentence, isn't it? That's just nuts. what a sentence. Um. But I'm going to – guys, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go a little off the radar. Not so much off the radar, but one team who's in the playoff hunt and one team who's eliminated, Packers-Bears. Um, I had that was my last game, actually. Yeah, and, and for me, that's that's the game of the week because we all know the Packers win and they're in. Um, Jordan Love looks like the guy. But this is a huge game for the Bears organization. Like, if, if the Bears and Justin Fields can go into Lambeau and put a good game together – and somehow win and eliminate the Packers. Boy, what does Chicago do with him? What do they do with that first pick? You you gotta go. You you can't. You gotta stick with Fields at this point. At he's that so- point, do you do you stick with? He's shown promise. Do you stick with Fields? Do you maybe trade that pick for a King's ransom and then take Marvin Harrison 
um, and get him in DJ Moore. Let's go with Sweat. Or, or yeah, or do you, you know? Do you, then do you just get Dallas? Do you get Dallas Turner, um, and an offensive tackle in your with your first couple picks? I mean, this has huge implications for the Bears on there, especially if they do what the Lions did last year, where you go into Lambeau and you eliminate the Packers from the playoffs. Um, and then if the Packers can win and get in, well, Matt Lafleur's job is saved, and Jordan Love is looking back like, hey. Look at me. I'm the guy. You didn't mm-hmm. waste a first round pick on me. So huge implications for both of these organizations, not only for this year, but two to three years down the road. Um, and Romo and Nance are on the call. And since we live in Minnesota, I'm thinking that's the 330 game. And I'm excited to watch that thing Sunday. It will be good because last year Packers had a chance to make the playoffs with a win and in, but the lions played spoiler. Is this something mm-hmm. that the, that the Bears, the Bears can do. do, and the Bears have somewhat it, had a little bit of a. And Eber, Lions did last year. Eberflus could be coaching for his job, um, a, a, as well. So a lot, of, a lot of stake in Lambeau on Sunday. Yeah. So boys, now, what uh, when when the dust all settles at about eleven o'clock Central Time, ten o'clock Mountain Time on Sunday night, what? What do the the playoff standings in the NFC and AFC look like for you guys? Start. We can start from the. Uh, well, you can go either either way from bottom to top or top to bottom. Let's go top. Whatever to bottom. you choose. Top to bottom, okay. I think, because most of these there's a lot. Like three of the top five in the AFC, for instance, are literally locked in. They're so. locked in. Yeah. Yeah. So, what uh, what what do, what do you guys got? Well, of course, Baltimore's the one. Uh, I thought yep. that was a good guess. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, um, yeah. but I'll <laughs> so go here. So two with... to seven. Okay, um, I guess I'll start. Yeah, go for it. Sure. Uh, I have Buffalo at two. Yep, all right. A- am, am I going right down? Yeah, yep, yeah. Okay, yeah, so Buffalo two, Kansas City's locked in at the three. Um, Jacksonville at four. I think they knew last week, even if they lost, they still had a shot. I think they gave Lawrence the week off. Um, Ethan's point that game is in Tennessee, but I think the Jags pull it out. Um, Cleveland, they're locked in at the five Miami. Then since they lose to Buffalo is the six and you know what? God damn it. We talked about this team all year. The Houston Texans are the seven seed in the AFC. Yeah. Okay. All right. So mine's actually pretty similar to Grant's. Uh, I'm going two bills. I think they beat uh, the Dolphins. Obviously, the Chiefs three. This is where it gets a little weird. Um, oh. I actually have a tie in the Colts-Houston game, but Jacksonville loses. Colts win the division. I love it. Miami six. Houston gets in as a seven. Okay. That's delicious. I okay. hope that happens. I hope I'm wrong. As soon as you brought up the ties, I'm like, I had Jackson. I'm like, let's get weird. Let's I love get it. Weird. Let's go with Houston. So, well, yep, yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. It's a clean sweep, as I said. I think the Bills win by two scores. Bills two, Chiefs are three. I'm still I I'm going with the Jaguars. I've been high on them all year. I this is my I guess my hope of that the uh, Jaguars are going to turn it on in the playoffs. I'm not feeling great about it five is the uh the hat that ethan is wearing the cleveland browns yeah, elite joe flacco and the uh six is the dolphins and seven 
is I think CJ is going to show out. I think in these type of games, I think you go with who the better quarterback is. I like CJ Stroud more than I like uh, Gardner Minshew. So I'm going to go with the Texans sneaking in the seventh seed. And hey, and when, then C- it- when CJ's back was against the wall against Utah and Georgia, he played the games of his life. And yeah, with you, Dylan, I think that continues. Correct. And I'll uh, I'll go to let's go to the NFC here. And uh, the 49ers are already locked in two seed. I like the cow as much as I have am nervous about this game. I'm going to go with I still think the Cowboys find a way to win and beat the commanders. They get the two seed. Lions are the three seed. I like Tampa to beat the Panth- the lowly Panthers, even if Baker Mayfield is not playing. The best throw that we've seen all year is from David Tepper. Bucks get into the four seed. Eagles, five seed. The Rams are locked into the six seed. And in the seven, you know, I, I said this team is going to sneak into the play, was going to be is a playoff team all year. I think the the chips fall their way. And I like the Seahawks to sneak in as a seven seed. Two years in a row they sneak in as a seven seed. Yeah. So all right. Well, I'm saying Dallas wins too. It's probably not going to be a pretty win out in Washington, but I think they get it done. Uh, Detroit gets the three. I'm going with my preseason pick. I'm going with the Saints. I think they get it done. I think Tampa Bay loses. Obviously, Philly five, Rams six. And then uh, I'm going with another team I picked preseason, the Packers. I'm pretty proud of that pick. I think I nailed that one. Um, So hopefully it actually comes to fruition. There you go. Yep. Uh, We'll make it a clean sweep. I like Dallas. Um, uh, you know, to so get it'll the be two. the Eagles. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Lions at Lions at three. Like we said, that one's locked in. Again, I'm going to go with Tampa, just because I think Todd Bowles is going to throw the kitchen sink at Bryce Young. I mean, he's going to see blitzes coming that he's never seen before. Yeah. Um, this Tampa Bay defense will be the difference in that game. The Eagles are locked in at the five. Rams are locked in at the six. And in my game of the week, I think Jordan Love wins. And the Packers and the Packers get in as the uh, as the seventh seed, and we set up a Dallas Packers playoff game. And I know Dylan is not ready for that. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I love it. Embrace it. Embrace the challenge. You got to exercise the demons here. You got to history repeats. You got to go. Just remember that it it can, but sometimes history is meant to die and be forgotten. Instead, though, so. Let's Jordan Love go. is good, but he's not He's not Aaron Rodgers, so stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> well, and let's go back to college here. Before, let's uh, – the FCS, it's Montana versus South Dakota State on Sunday. And, you know, Montana beat NDSU. South Dakota State is potential – is one in the running for one of the best team FCS teams of all time, this team. And oh, that's, that's I like saying – How'd that taste coming out of your mouth? It hurt a little bit. But NDSU still has like three of the four, so it's whatever. There you go. And the uh um and I don't I don't like saying teams have to play perfect to to Montana win, but to it perfect. feels like Montana almost has to play perfect. Um 
play a perfect game to win. They're going to have to get another special teams touchdown. They're going to have to force Mark Gronowski into some interceptions. Um, offensively, they've got to show more than what they've shown the last two weeks. Even against NDSU, they scored in regulation. They only had the one offensive touchdown. And it's this – I I don't know. Maybe the three weeks has uh, is going to help them, give them some type of edge with Bobby Houck, who is an experienced head coach, and Jimmy Rogers. This is his first year. Is he going to be forced to make some tough decisions, get him where he does something where he gets nervous and makes a coaching mistake? But in the end, I don't I don't think this is going to be much of a game. I think this is about a quarter and a half a game, game where it is close. And I think the Jackrabbits get their second straight. They're going to win 42-17 over Montana. I'll take the Jacks 33-14. to Go big, go blue, go Jacks. You're welcome, Craig. Ugh. You know, most of the time, well, 100% of the time in nature, a grizzly bear will destroy a jackrabbit. Good thing this is not nature. So, uh, South Dakota <laughs> State, 34, Montana, 13. They're just going to outrun them like oh. normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. They're going to zig and zag. They will. So, well, then, boys, let's get to the to the college football playoff national championship. Michigan versus Washington, 530 Mountain, 630 Central. Michigan, four-and-a-half-point favorites here. Mich- this is where I said at the beginning of the year, this is where I, I said Michigan was going to be playing for the national title. They were going to – I had them beating Georgia, but it's not Georgia. It's Washington, a tremendous team. And Best they're quarterback. Still, they're, they're still facing a dog school with a mascot. They're still facing a dog school. Correct. The probably the two most consistent teams all season. So it's it is fitting that they play for a national title. National title. On paper, I think Michigan is, is the better team. Um, but I would also say Washington will have the best player on the on the field in Michael Penix Jr. Matchup wise though, I like I like I like how this matches up for Michigan. Washington struggled to stop the run all season. And um, they gave up seven yards of carry to Texas. Um, if I think Michigan is able to run the ball, control the clock, keep Michael Penix off the field because he's not going to hurt you if he's sitting there watching the ball on the sideline. Um, and I think Washington played one played about it played really well, played as good as they've been, kind of what they've been all season. And Michigan left a lot to be desired. They played abysmal on special teams. The offense disappeared. At times, even defensively, there were a couple of missed tackles here. But if we really want to get nitpicky with the defense, but and maybe Michigan feels like maybe they're saving their best game for last. Um, it defensively, it's it's strength versus strength. Is they're going up against the Joe Moore Award, and Michigan's got they've they're four deep on the defensive end, four deep at the tackles. They've got good linebackers, good corners. The Roma Dunsey Will Johnson matchup is going to be very interesting to see see how uh, Michigan does. I don't know if they're going to try and bracket him or play zone. I think when you've seen Washington struggle in the middle of the season, it was a lot where Michigan or teams were rushing rushing only three guys, and they were dropping eight, and Michael Penix struggled to find somebody, and that was when they went back more to uh, Dylan Johnson running the ball, and that kind of brought 
everybody, those safeties back down a little bit and let the Washington go and stretch the field. But Dylan Johnson is questionable right now. We're going to see if he can, can go. They are saying that they expect him to play. The x-rays were negative, but we're not. We'll, we'll find out and see how that goes. But ball control, I think, is going to be key for Michigan. Don't turn the ball over. Don't give Washington any short fields. And, um, you know, if they're able to stick with the run, use that run to open up the pass, um, play that complimentary football, allow J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball downfield, um, let those receivers get open, catch the Washington safeties and corners, their eyes in the backfield, letting a receiver go, go free. Um, and, you know, defensively for Michigan, it's been what I've said for most of the years, keep, keep, I, Washington's going to move the field. They're tremendous team. They're going to make plays. They practice too. And, but move, let them move the ball of 20 to 20, but in the red zone, make them settle for field goals, win on first and second down, especially down there where they have to get the ball in obvious passion situations and let Michigan tee off on that tee off and go, go after the quarterback where they have to set where force them into a bad throw, maybe get an interception or incomplete pass, which isn't a bad thing in this game. So I'll let you guys go through what some of your keys to the game are. And then after that, we'll bring it back and do our predictions. Uh, Dylan, you mentioned the, my first big one, like can Washington stop the run? Can they get the ball back? Uh, the other side of that, though, is I don't think time of possession is going to be as big in this game. I think Michigan needs to limit the explosive plays. Uh, Washington had 10-plus explosive plays versus uh, Texas the other night. That's minimum 200 yards just right there. That's honestly probably what's going to decide the game right there. Can they limit them? Michigan only had six versus Alabama. Can they get more? Can J.J. McCarthy make those big plays like Michael Penix was doing versus Texas? Uh, and I feel like a lot of Michigan's was scheming wise where Washington is after the catch. Uh, can these receivers get the ball down the field for Michigan? Can they actually make some guys miss to get those big chunk plays? You know, Corum's going to bust a couple off there, Berkeley Edwards has a, uh, Edwards has a chance to break a couple too, but those guys on the outside for Michigan need to find ways to get these bigger plays that not make it such longer possessions. Cause I don't think the possession's going to matter. I think it's who makes the biggest plays here. And then the second one, uh, Michigan needs to generate a pass for us without blitzing. Penix will kill them if they blitz every single time like they did that left guard on Alabama. I don't see that working versus Washington. Penix is just too elusive, and he, he just controls the pocket so well that I think it's going to be hard for them to blitz him consistently like they did Alabama. Yeah, and – to your to your point with Ethan with uh, about the the time of possession you're 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 absolutely correct and to with with that you know if Michigan if Michigan's gonna want to carry take the ball take the the air out of the ball and and go on those seven eight minute drives they they have to come away with touchdowns they can't settle for field goals because mm -hmm. that puts the pressure back on Washington on Washington to try to try to match them. And yeah, Ethan, I think I think to your point, uh, your last point you brought up, where if Michigan's going to bring the pressure, um, they got to do it without blitzing. I think Michigan will bring you know five to six guys at times, but I think this is where Jesse Mitchell's time in the NFL comes in to be a factor, because it's going to be a lot like what Spags is doing. They might be Washington might be on their 
um, you know, their right hash, Michigan's going to blitz blitz from the left. It's They're going to bring guys from multiple different spots where um, they're going to confuse Penix. He, these are looks he's he's not going to be – he hasn't seen all all year with that. And then also, do these receivers – do these Washington receivers know where their hot is, where, you know, Oduzier can say, hey, you know, I'm on the slot here. My corner's coming. Do I do – I, does Penix have trust in me that I can sit down in this zone or do I keep running to get my head um, taken off? So I, I think I like Michigan's advantage there in the aspect where they have NFL defensive coaches where they've seen these route combinations before. Jesse Mitchell's played the Kansas City Chiefs. He's played the New England Patriots. He's played Sean McVay in the Rams. He's seen stuff like this. So he should be able to scheme, scheme up some looks where he can get home, but then also disguise the coverage and back where it's something maybe Michael Penix hasn't seen before. And then Dylan, kind of like what I talked about earlier tonight, I think Michigan needs to continue with the 11 personnel, one back, a tight end, and two to three wide receivers to kind of continue to loosen up that Washington defense, just like what Texas did, where you can still run the ball with Edwards and Corum, but you're doing it against a light box where Washington only has five guys in there. They only have six guys in there. There's three defensive linemen where if we're running to the left, I don't need to block this backside defensive end. I can get two double teams. And you know what? If he crashes hard on Corum and Blake, JJ's got legs. I'm going to pull it and I'm going to get five yards and I'm going to slide. Um, and then another thing that I thought Michigan did real well last game was using Corum in the passing game. Because with all his rushing touchdowns he's had, I'm not going to worry about him coming out of the backfield catching balls. And I understand that's my biggest um gripe each week i'm like how are we not covering eligible receivers as a running back so i think michigan has to continue to get him the ball in open spaces and using concepts where you know they just have two receivers running a drag route to the left and we sneak quorum out to the right where he, he's open right there um but again washington one of their advantages is this that offensive line like you said dylan it's it, a lot like last year's super bowl Michigan is just like Philadelphia. They have a better team. They have an awesome pass rush, but Washington has the better quarterback. And if this offensive line can keep him upright and these, this Michigan secondary has to cover for three to four or five seconds, it's going to be a long day, um, you know, for, for Michigan in that aspect. And um, also I think big thing for Washington is tackling in space and tackling. Cause you know, Coram, like Ethan said, Coram's going to break a couple. He's going to have one-on-one matchups with linebackers three to four to five yards past the line of scrimmage. They need to make those tackles right away. And if they don't, they can't bring him down, and these big uglies are able to come behind Blake and give him a big push. They're going to lean and lean and lean, and then those long drives are going to turn into touchdowns. So Washington has to keep – Washington has to tackle well, and they have to play well in the box with that. Um, I'm excited for this game, and I think it's going to be a good one. Um yeah. And it's it's probably the two best head coaches or two of the three best coaches in in the country. And they're going to make adjustments and they're going to be ready to play. And these coaches aren't going to be nervous. And I don't think either one is going to make a boneheaded decision. I, well, certainly hope not. And if uh, if if it if there is a coach that makes the boneheaded decision, I hope it's the Washington head coach here. But boys. What do we got for predictions here? Who, uh, what, uh, who, uh, who, who wins on Monday night? 
Um, well, I went last last time, so I'll continue the snake order. True. Um, I have Michigan 31, Washington 26. I have uh, – I'm going with uh, Mr. Augustana himself. I'm going with Washington 33 to – 31 to 18. Wow. Late, late All right. Two I'm possessions. Kind of away. Okay. Well – for me, well, I, I've said from the beginning, I think this is the team that wins that wins the national title for Michigan. They've been the best team all season, no matter what has happened, whether the NCAA trying to suspend Harbaugh for a cheeseburger or coward little man Tony Petiti stepping in because Ohio State said, oh, they're taking signals. I'm crying, crying Ryan Day. And tried to tear this team apart. And it's only brought them closer together. And they, they love playing together. They will love being with each other. And they're going to play with each other, play for each other. And they, their backs have been put against the wall throughout this season. Whether it be what I've said, the suspensions, the accusations, the they, they, they've had their backs against the wall, and all they have done is just silence the critics. They've kept punching back, punching back, punching back. They've had m- most of their wins have been dominating, and outside of two games that have been uh, that are were one possession games, I think Michigan has the advantage up front. They have the advantage in the run game. I think they're going to be able to control the game on the ground and get enough stops on defense to get their first national title since 1997. I like Michigan 35, 27. All right. And you know, I, I, I I got one more thing real quick. I hope Michigan wears the same uniforms they wore against Alabama. I didn't realize how awesome that helmet. Um, the blue uniforms and the maize pants were maybe it was the Rose Bowl field and it just looked awesome. It looks better on grass than the artificial turf they play on in Michigan stadium. But that uniform combination is absolutely elite. It did. And the, I the, hope the white, they don't white go socks. the, yes, I hope they don't go the blue on blue. Yeah. I'm not sure what they'll, what they will do here, but um, I, my guess is they probably won't have the, the shoulder patches that they wore. But yeah, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not a superstitious person, but go, go, go with what got you there. So let's, uh, let's go to curveball of the week that I have. And now my, uh, my, I, I just thought of this this afternoon. Now who on a movie, movie or TV show, who is, an insufferable person that you would think there's no, there's absolutely no way I would ever think of going on a date with what, what movie character or TV show that just is just a terrible, insufferable person that you wouldn't go on a date with Beth Yellowstone without a doubt. (laughs) I knew that one was coming. (laughs) What a bitch. See you next Tuesday and hope you feel good about it, Beth. I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of, of Beth either. She can her character is a little too much for me. She's a bitch. Um, I don't. I'd have to. I'd have to go. Jess from New Girl. Um, Zoe Deschanel. Okay. She's a she's a great actress, but gosh, that character. 
she's just she's all up in your face um she's she's gonna be singing half the time um i'm sorry but i don't want to hear people around me singing um um you know she's always going to try to point out my flaws and, and tell me how what i need to do to change my life and she just kind of lives in a fairy fairy tale land um i love new girl the show but jess was probably my least favorite character and i just i couldn't i couldn't do it for more than a more than about 15 to 20 minutes i'd be like all right nope i'm done um like when coach wanted to watch the pistons game and not have to worry about her asking her all these questions i couldn't do it <laughs> all right well mine would be melissa stew's girlfriend from the first hangover mm. Mm. god she was a little bitch oh, yeah wow she, she wouldn't let him uh had to lie to her that he was going to vegas and told vegas. her that he was going to wine country checking his credit card statements Why telling him what he needs to pay <laughs> just preposterous and and the fact that they never let Stu do what he wants to do and finally Stu having the nuts to just tell her off and say I'm done with you I whatever whatever this relationship is in a healthy relationship I think the guy should be able to do what he wants to do that is not how this works and then swearing in front of children she is Worse than almost where maybe that's where Taylor Swift got it from, but the yeah that that that's like the first person that popped in my mind and pro- probably the inspiration for my curveball questions. So yeah, she's a real bitch. I lo- I can't remember what Zach Galifianakis um said to her, but God, when she looks afterwards and goes, "Suck my dick." <laughs> I'm so thinking funny. of getting my bartending license. Yeah. <laughs> Suck my bartending. dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a, what a guy. Ethan, if I'm not wrong, like, this would be like five years later. Was she the same actress who played um, Sheila in Suits? Or have you not gotten that far? Yeah, no. She has I think to. it is. Yeah, she probably is. I didn't like her either. It makes total sense. It makes total sense. She's the same character, kind of just she's a real the exact same attitude too. Exact same attitude, just a nasty person who thinks she's oh, better that's than you. Her way, exactly. Rachel, Rachel Harris. I have no I, idea. I very well, could be. I don't know her name. She sure looks similar. If not, we're gonna say it is and just go with it. Yeah, but she plays. Well, the let's same... take a look here. She plays the same role, and it is not a nice individual. Oh, just a mean bitch. Just a real vindictive person. Yes, yes, it was the same woman. Yeah, okay, all right, there we go. Makes total so, sense. But, all right, well, that puts a bow on episode 111 of the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast. We'll be back next Thursday, hopefully a celebratory episode. And you can check us out on all of our social medias. Who knows? Maybe I might maybe I might uh, live stream my, my reactions to the to the uh, to the national championship game i think that's been some been some good content here and uh maybe you guys might be able to see me get a new pr in my vertical jump uh, i set a new one on monday night maybe set another one the next next monday but so you three, beat the three... south dakota state one from like 2014 uh yeah well i'm pretty sure <laughs> i've had like i've had about a couple of new ones so Okay. The the South Dakota State one was broken uh, last year when Donovan Edwards 
had that that was twice in a day actually so when donovan uh, edwards had his first one i i was still sitting on the chair i was still like composed and i i jumped up so got a new one off that and then the second one i jumped so high i almost put my head through the tv nice and then lat uh uh, in the Ohio State game this year, when Rod Moore had the interception, I broke broke my vertical jump. And then when on the uh, the Milrow stop, yeah, I uh, broke the uh, the new PR broke, for the vertical jump. So hopefully okay. we can we I can show off my athleticism at least one more time here, and uh, we'll be uh, posting content. The segments of the show will be out on Friday, three uh, GTB podcast. X, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and then Facebook and YouTube. You can check us out, Three Guys Talking Ball um, Facebook page as well. And thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next time.